Amen. Thank you, praise team. Appreciate your work. If you will, open your Bibles with me to Genesis and chapter 4. Not 1 John anymore, but now all the way in the other end of the Bible, at the beginning there in Genesis chapter 4. You know, just the other day I was driving down the road and I heard the people on the radio talking about how with Halloween now over, it appears that everyone's already gearing up for Christmas. Have you noticed that yet? And I know exactly what they mean because I've noticed that the stores have already made their switches. Uh, I've seen people putting pictures of their Christmas trees on Facebook. Uh, I've noticed how Corinda is already soaking up those Hallmark Christmas movies that are now playing. And maybe I've watched a few as well. But as these people were talking on the radio, one of them made the point that, hey, if everyone just shifts straight to Christmas then we risk the possibility of completely skipping Thanksgiving. Oh, my. And I don't think she was necessarily talking as much about people skipping the actual holiday or skipping a Thanksgiving meal, because chances are not many of us are going to be skipping any meals, right? But I believe she was talking about how people are overlooking the spirit of Thanksgiving and the blessings that come with it. Church, living in the world that we do today that is so self-absorbed and self-centered, there is definitely a lack of thankfulness among Christians and non-Christians alike. In fact, we get swept up in the hustle and bustle of life and the worries that come with it, and we don't always take the needed time to look around and thank God for all that He has done for us. And as we will see over the next few weeks, by having a lack of thankfulness, we will also have a lack of power in our lives. As I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, there are a couple of different quotes that come to my mind. One of them comes from a lady named Helen Keller. Many of you have heard of her. Helen Keller said this, So much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. Let me read that to you again. So much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. And church, remember, this statement was made by a precious lady who was completely deaf and blind. I have so much to be given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. What, what about the quote from H.W. Westermeyer who said, The pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. Nevertheless, they set aside a day of thanksgiving. And what about this quote? Although the author is unknown, I believe it really speaks to the lesson that I hope we can find in God's Word today. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. And it is one that the poorest of us can make and be not poorer, but richer for having made it. Amen? Wow. Thanksgiving really is an offering to God and it is one that we can all make but sometimes there may be things standing in the way of our hearts showing pure gratitude to God. Genesis chapter 4 relays to us the story of Cain and Abel. And I'll be honest with you, before this week of studying this story, I've never really read this story through the lens of thankfulness. But I believe that if we can all go into it today with that frame of mind, then we can learn some valuable lessons that will change the way we view the results of thanksgiving. 
Today I'm going to be reading to you in a different translation than I usually do because I believe that its wording will help us to better understand the heart of this story. So today I'm going to be reading to you out of the NLT, and so you can either follow along with me on the screen or you can follow along there in your own Bibles. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4 inform us that Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. It tells us there that Cain was a tiller of the ground and Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And then in verses 3 through 5, we read this. When it was time for the harvest. See, I told you this story was about Thanksgiving. You never knew that before, did you? It's harvest time. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. You know, even though most of us already know this story, let me just stop right here and say that usually this story is preached to where the major difference between Cain and Abel's offerings was the quality of the gifts that they gave. But I really don't see the biblical evidence to support those grounds. In in other words, I'm saying if I were to preach this story from that view today, I would be doing so more out of tradition than expository evidence. And so I do want to make the point, though, that the specific description here of Abel's gift does imply that what he brought was considered the best animals that he had. And we know that. It was the firstborn lambs from his flock. But not only did it bring his best animals, but also the most favorable portions of those animals. So that not only was it the best of what Abel had, but quite literally, it was the best of the best. But then looking in contrast to Cain's gift, there really is nothing that leads us to believe that Cain brought wilted or rotting vegetables to where the quality of his offering was any lesser. In fact, although the Bible doesn't say it specifically in the positive, it also doesn't say it specifically in the negative. Therefore, the produce that Cain brought may have been his best or earliest crop. Maybe these two were equal in that arena. Of course, there was going to be a difference in these two offerings because one was meat and one was vegetables, right? But that was due to the fact that Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. And so these were the things that they were bringing back to God because these are the things that God had blessed them with. But even in the midst of all of this and looking at the gifts, I believe there's an important lesson to be learned here. So let me start from the beginning, hammering this thought into our minds. And if you're taking notes this morning, you need to write this one down because this is really the whole point that I'm preaching this morning. And it is this, that true thankfulness is seen in what you give back to God. True thankfulness is seen in what you give back to God. Let me ask you, if this is the case, well, then both Cain and Abel were showing thankfulness to God because they both both brought offerings, right? Wrong. Not right. And we see this clearly because God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's. And the result of God's rejection led to Cain becoming very angry. And so picking up in verse 6, I want to read to you a little further here where we find God asks the question, Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? 
Verse 7, get this. You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. You didn't know there were such good passages in the Old Testament, did you? That sounds like a New Testament passage, doesn't it? But all joking aside, the fact that Cain's gift was not accepted is what clues us into the fact that something wasn't right. And because, as I've said, the Bible doesn't say anything about the offering itself not being right, means that there is something deeper going on here. Cain has a deeper problem to take a look at. So we see here from the words of God that this idea of thanksgiving has less to do with the physical act of bringing an offering to God and more to do with the heart of the person who is bringing that offering to God. It's not necessarily about the quality of the offering as it is the quality of the heart that matters. Because it is the heart that determines whether or not you are truly thankful. If only Cain's heart would have been in the right place, then guess what? As God says, his offering would have been accepted. But also notice with me today what it was that was causing his offering to not be accepted. Let us see what it was that was putting his heart in a wrong place. Any guesses? Sin. (laughs) Sin was putting his heart in a wrong place. You see, so far Cain had chosen to do wrong. And it led to him trying to offer thanksgiving to God out of a wrong heart. But it was important for him to see God's warning. Because here, Cain has a choice to make. Why? Because God was offering to Cain a second chance. Aren't you glad that we serve a God of second chances? Amen. God says that Cain could both acknowledge that he messed up and then make the necessary steps to repair his heart and be accepted or continue in the wrong way and be rejected. And God says, Cain, if you continue in the wrong way, oh, buddy, you better watch out because sin is crouching at the door and it is eager to control you. This warning from God reminds me of the encouragement found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. There Peter is saying to us, Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Church, listen to me. Satan is not asleep. He is wide awake and he is searching for any opportunity to slip into the door of your life and cause some serious damage. Why? Because the goal of sin is to gain ultimate control of you. That's the whole point behind it. God says to Cain, the only way to not let sin have its way in your life is to subdue it and you be its master, you see. And to be very honest this morning, just because we serve a God of second chances doesn't mean that we always make the most of our second chance. God was giving Cain the opportunity to go away, to clean up his heart, and then to come back and try again. But instead, what we find is that he did not subdue his sin. But he allowed his sin to take further root in his heart, and it ended up causing even more 
problem. So let me read to you again, this time starting in verse 8. One day Cain suggested to his brother, Let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Many of your translations say, Am I my brother's keeper? But the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Mm. I would say that the sin caused some more problems in his life. The sin that Cain refused to confront in his life is what led to him first having his offering rejected by God. Secondly, to murder his own brother. And then also that sin led to number three, the curse that was placed upon him. And while all this is happening, on the outside, he seemed to be doing the right things. But on the inside, he was completely detached from what he was doing. You see, from the outside, it looked like he was offering a gift of thanksgiving to God. But the reality was that his heart was far from being thankful to God. And the craziest part of this whole story to me is this. I don't know what you think is the craziest or most amazing part of the story, but this is what I think is the craziest part of the story. After God comes back to Cain, and he, he knows that he has murdered Abel, and he delivers to him the news that his brother's blood was crying out from the ground. Cain remained unchanged. Completely unchanged. It's as if he never even realized what he had done. In fact, the entire time throughout this whole story, all 16 verses here, Cain has been totally focused only on himself. And we see this even more by reading the rest of our passage for today, this time starting in verse 13. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. And anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No. For I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I read that and I understand Cain wanted his cake and to eat it too. That's really what was going on here. But the thing that we don't always remember about sin is that sin never fully pays off like we think it will. We don't necessarily know the sin that Cain was dealing with, but from his actions here in this story, we know that he was susceptible to pride, greed, jealousy, anger. The list goes on, right? And it was sins like these that were prohibiting him from seeing things as they really were. 
He had this own picture in his mind, but really the case was he was in the wrong and he was going against the will of God. But Cain had blocked all sense of guilt on his part. He could now only see the negative things that God was punishing him with in return. And it just didn't seem fair. He says here, it seemed to be too much to handle. And you know what? For the first time in this story, Cain was right. These punishments were too much for him to handle. Not because he had to work extra hard without receiving any greater benefit. Not because he was about to be homeless. Not even because he thought he was going to die. But it was too much to handle because Cain had to leave the presence of God. His sin ultimately led to separation from God. In this story, I believe we find that the old saying is true, and you've heard this before. Sin takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. But how in the world did it get this far? How did things get so messed up in his life? I mean, it's not like this is hundreds of years after the beginning of the world where all of this corruption has been able to set in. This is the first children of the world. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And what a mess we found ourselves in. It's all because Cain didn't check his heart when he had the chance. And his sin ended up causing him to do something he never thought that he would or could do. But lo and behold, sin paved the way. And he did those things. I get through the whole thing and I begin to think, man, this story did not have to end the way that it did. I mean, things could have gone so much different if only Cain would have listened to God, taken full opportunity of his second chance, Then he could have pushed past his pride of being rejected and realized that he was being rejected for a good reason. And he could have fixed those things so that that reason was no longer valid. And if he would have done that, he wouldn't have murdered his brother. He wouldn't have received such a heavy punishment. And ultimately, he would have been accepted by God and remained in God's presence. It probably wasn't the news that he wanted or expected to hear. But his offering was rejected. And through Cain's inability to give true thankfulness to God, all of this deeper trouble was exposed. And Cain was given time to make things right. But church, as much as this sermon may seem to be about Cain and Abel, Maybe the whole time, it's really being said more about us. That maybe we fit into the same situation. Maybe God is speaking to your heart today, warning you of what is on the other side of that door that you've been looking at, or peeking through, or maybe even getting ready to walk through. God's saying, stop! Sin's on the other side of that door. And that sin is eager control your life and when it controls your life it will ruin your life 
Maybe today you're realizing that you're just like Cain and that you're here at church and you're doing the right thing because you know it's what God is wanting you to do. You know that's the expectation that has been set. You know you should be here today. But inside, your heart is just not in it. Just like Cain, you're trying your best to bring an offering before God. You're, you're trying to do the right thing. But maybe God is rejecting your offering because He knows that your heart is not where it needs to be. As I said before, the main lesson for today is this. True thanksgiving is seen in what you give back to God. And before we misunderstand what that really means, let us remember it is less about the actual offering and more about the condition of the heart of the one who is bringing that offering. In the simplest way I know how to put it, Cain was not offering thanksgiving. Cain was offering crops. And because God is God, he didn't need any of Cain's crops. But all the while, God was desiring Cain's heart. And he desires your heart as well. You saw this verse on the screen a few moments ago, Psalm 50, verse 23. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Here's the translation. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your time. He doesn't need any of your stuff. In fact, all of those different things are so much more important to us than they are to Him. Because what God wants more than anything else is our hearts. And if we are to give God our hearts, then we'll end up finding that we're giving everything else to Him as well. Because if you give your heart first, our priorities will be realigned and our lives will become more focused on being thankful and bringing Him the glory He is due. If only Cain would have brought a thankful heart before God, then God would have been glorified. Cain would have been accepted just like Abel. And in the end, because he was doing the right thing, Cain could have seen the salvation of God both immediately in the remainder of his life and the salvation of God eternally in heaven. I mean, Cain was given the option to never have to leave God's presence. But he chose wrong. He chose sin. And sin blinds our hearts from the truth to a point to where we no longer feel a sense of thankfulness to God because we cannot see all of the things that He has done for us. We become unaware of His goodness. We lose sight of His love for us. So maybe today is the day that we need to be reminded of the power of thanksgiving. And if so, here's your reminder. Here's the summary statement. Thanksgiving is a powerful thing because it leads to acceptance in God's eyes. And acceptance leads us to living in God's presence. So let us never miss out on any opportunity to offer thankfulness to God. Or any opportunity to bring Him glory. 
or any opportunity just to bask in His presence. But before we can do this, we must check our hearts. We must rid ourselves of any and all sin. And then we will be ready to give back to God out of all the things that He has blessed us with. So if the real test of our thankfulness is found in what we give back to God, then let me ask you, what are you giving back to God today? Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we come before you today with thankful hearts. God, thank you for second chances. Thank you for loving us even when we are unlovable. Thank you for your abundant blessings that always take care of our needs. And in return, God, would you help us to live in a constant state of thankfulness that we may give back to you and continually live in your presence. Father, take our lives and use them for your will and for your glory. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Won't you stand?